Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply I do not understand this football name in America. How how many of kicks is there in the football game? Six kicks? I'm going to say it once and hopefully I'm wrong, but it's a disaster waiting to happen. I love all of those things with the piggy skin and the men running around. So much screams and then a toss and then everyone is in a large, large hill. A star is born in the NFL. I like the moxie, but I, more importantly, I like the poise and the noise. Oh, what are you doing? You gotta be beeping me! It's Jonathan Elway, he was so sassy and cool and hey guys, I'm a cowboy, bang bang, sling sling, toss toss, I'm going to lose all the time and then I win and then he leaves as he wins. You cannot beat this. From Munich, Germany, the Broncos and Bratwurst podcast with Kevin Gilligan. Yes, I'm Kevin Gilligan, born and raised in Denver, Colorado, lifelong Broncos fan. I recently moved to Munich, Germany, but as they say, distance makes the heart grow fonder, and so I still love them and love talking about them, even though it's from across the pond. Thank you for joining me, you crazy Broncos fans who just can't get enough of this team that you're still listening to me talk about the Denver Broncos, even though it's the middle of May. Yes, there's not a lot going on. Of course, there are some storylines in Denver and even around the NFL that we will discuss briefly. It'll be a little bit of a shorter show today. Um, I'm about to head off on a quick vacation down to Rome. I'm pretty pumped about that. Um, Rome is about uh, eight and a half hours away from a drive from from Munich or the area where I live. 
Um, so it's going to be beautiful. It'll be my first time in Rome. It's it's really been the city that's on my bucket list. So I'm pretty pumped about that. Uh, I might put some pictures up on Twitter. So if you want to see any pictures of Rome or my thoughts on it, go over and follow me at Kevy Gillikin. That's K-E-V-V-Y-G-I-L-L-I-K-I-N. That's on Twitter. Um, there will be no show next Monday uh, due to the fact that I will be in Rome. And I know you all are going to miss me dreadfully. But as always... Go over and check out the MileHighReport.com podcast for all of your needs. My, um, Adam Malnati, Ian St. Clair, they're awesome. They've got a great show over there. They have great guests, great information. And, of course, as always, MileHighReport.com is the place to be for all of your Broncos information and opinions, news, etc. They've got it all, and I think they do a better job than anybody else in the Denver market. Yes, I'm a little biased, but I, I've followed MileHighReport.com for many, many years before I had anything to do with them in terms of um, writing or podcasting. So please go check them out if you don't already. Um, well, what's going on in the Denver market? Actually, you know, I thought the other day that you know, my, this, this podcast name is Broncos and Bratwurst, and I never talk about Bratwurst. I feel like I'm doing a injustice to to the second half of my show and so i just wanted to say that yesterday morning i did have some some vice first um you know vice first and pretzels and um wheat beer vice beer it's amazing and it's for breakfast so you, it is the one time you can you're okay to drink breakfast in the or you can, you can drink beer in the morning and not be looked at as an alcoholic uh it's a really awesome breakfast the these the vice first is this really soft sausage um you eat with a sweet mustard it's beautiful just a beautiful meal if anyone's ever in munich definitely hit me up and, and i will show you the best places in town to get a vice first okay back to the the broncos um you know what's going on with the broncos obviously you had the big story the big hubbub the big you know issue with joe flacco not wanting to mentor um drew lock You've heard all that you're going to hear about that. There, I don't have that much to say. Skipper Dude's going to come on later, and he has some good information, some good insight into past circumstances where we might have seen this happen already with some stars and their backups. And he's got some really good stories to tell. So I'll kind of leave that whole story to him. Um, I mean, briefly, I think that it's it's a it's a no big deal at all. Um, I don't think Flacco is like being a total jerk to Drew Locke. And Drew Locke even said otherwise that Flacco has been really great with him. But yeah, I mean, come on. Flacco is not there to to train this guy. It's always kind of a weird thing that you're, people think that these football players are supposed to train the guys under them. Now, yeah, veteran guys help the other guys. They answer questions and whatnot. But you're not spending your whole time saying, okay, dude, this is how you take my job. <laughs> you know? I mean, it would be like it'd be like if you work at a big company and you have an intern and you want to keep your job, but the whole time you're telling the intern how to do your job better than you do, or you know, to do it better so that they can take it from you. I mean, come on, no one's going to be happy with that. So the the fact that this ended up being a big deal is, I think, is a bit ridiculous, and it just shows it's May. There's nothing out there. There's no storyline, so the media has to contrive something out of nothing. And so I don't blame them. I mean. What else are we going to talk about? I mean, John Elway did go out and he he gave us the ammo for a quarterback controversy. And I see over and over people people on Twitter and in the MileHighReport.com comments saying, oh, geez, you know, 
are we really going to have a quarterback controversy? And say, yeah, we are. That's what happens when you draft a guy in the second round and a guy who's been, you know, touted as someone who could start in the NFL. And he is right alongside Joe Flacco, who is, he's not a superstar. He's just not. I mean, he's a guy who, who is a manageable starter. He's had a couple good years. He's never been a pro bowler. He's never put up big numbers except for that one off season. So he's not a guy who's going to light up the world. And so when you bring in a nice, young, attractive quarterback, you're going to have a controversy. Of course you are. So I don't really understand the whole issue people have with it being a controversy. Of course it's going to be a controversy. Now, do I think that Drew Locke should come in and start right away? I, I think he should if he outplays Joe Flacco. It's that simple. Now, is that likely? No, absolutely not. But it's possible. Why not? I mean, again, Joe Flacco, he's not Peyton Manning. He's not Tom Brady. He's a he's an okay veteran quarterback. So the fact, you know, the idea that a young quarterback can come in and outperform him is not crazy. Now, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Drew Locke is is ready. I don't, it doesn't seem really that close to being ready. I think it'd be best for him to to wait a year or or whatever it takes. But it's not out of the realm of possibility that the guy can, Drew Locke, can be the quarterback this year. Not likely, but it could happen. Now, it's also very possible that Joe Flacco gets hurt. He's been hurt, I think, almost every season for the last three or four seasons. And so if he goes down and Drew Locke comes in, then, of course, you always have the issue of, of musical quarterbacks, right? I mean, who comes in? Who goes out? If Joe Flacco comes back healthy, does he play? Probably, because, again, Elway has really, really stressed that Flacco is the starter. But it's it's you can say that all you want, but if Joe Flacco isn't performing, why would he be on the field? He, he doesn't. If, if he's not winning you games, then you gain nothing from him as quarterback. So the only reason Joe Flacco is here is because he was an upgrade to Case Keenum. He's his contract is solid. He can be cut loose with no loss next season, and he's got that veteran experience and he's won some games. Now, if he comes in and he performs badly, like he has in the past few years, and he doesn't win games, then there's nothing to stop John Elway and the coaching staff from putting in Drew Locke. So I could absolutely see Drew Locke starting after the first half of the season. And, you know, sometimes you need that baptism by fire. You need to be thrown into the deep end of the pool. And we'll see, though. I, I don't think Drew Locke is going to go in unless Joe Flacco either gets hurt or unless he really, really plays badly. And I think really badly. I, I don't think he can just play, eh. I think he would have to totally, totally suck if he is going to be um, benched for Drew Locke. And that's not very likely. I think Joe Flacco is set up to have a good year. I, I do think that. I don't think the Broncos are going to be great. I think they're going to be okay. They're going to be middle of the pack, you know, eight and eight type of a team, which is kind of hard to swallow. I think John Elway somehow sees this team as competing. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, geez, I hope Elway sees more than I do, which of course he does. But I see, I think Vegas has the Broncos at having seven wins. I saw some guy, I, I forget his name, but on, on Twitter, uh, what was his name? I don't remember, but but he had the Broncos some some big statistical sheet that had you know points scored or whatever, and it had the Broncos winning two games in 2019. Two, I think that's a little extreme. The Broncos aren't going to be that bad. They still got a good defense. They've got some good weapons on offense. I don't think they're there yet. I think they're they're definitely some pieces away. They're a quarterback away, honestly. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, it, it, a lot of it will depend on what happens in the AFC West. Uh, if if the Raiders and the Chiefs and the Chargers all continue along the same trajectory that they were on last year, then the Broncos are going to be in a bit of trouble. Now, I think the Broncos are also on a, an upwards trajectory, but as we all know, that your trajectory as a as a as an NFL team all revolves around the quarterback. And if the quarterback Joe Flacco just ends up being whelming or underwhelming, then you're not going to go anywhere. And, and I don't see him lighting the world on fire. So you're probably waiting a year or two for the for our window to open. Tom Brady finally retires. Philip Rivers is on his last legs. And you're really just going to have to battle it out with, with Pat Mahomes and with whatever John Gruden is doing in Oakland, which it could end up being fantastic and it could end up being a total dumpster fire. Honestly, I don't think anyone has any clue what the answer to that question will be. We'll find out in the next few years. Um, I'm going to get, send it over to the skipper dude a little early here. Again, he's got a really nice segment to to look at the past of what's happened with some of these veteran quarterbacks and their backups. It was not always pretty. Stay tuned, skipper dude, after this quick break. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at chumpacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks as always for having me on, Kevin. I am the Skipper Dude, proud Broncos fan since 1984. So today, I'd like to take what I hope is a final look at the biggest Broncos non-story of 2019. Namely, Joe Flacco's comments last week that he's here to win football games and not here to mentor rookie quarterback Drew Locke. Flacco's now infamous quote was, I hope he does develop, but I don't look at that as my job. My job is to go win football games for this football team. And I really think most of Denver Broncos country is fairly sympathetic to Flacco on a number of fronts. First, it's not his job to mentor up Drew Locke as an NFL quarterback. That responsibility belongs to Rich Gangarello and to quarterbacks coach T.C. McCartney. Second, Flacco's right. It's more than full-time work trying to pick up a new offense and learn a new offensive scheme. He really doesn't have time to be helping Drew Locke develop. And third, as I'll explain in a bit, the guy's human. Elway's move to draft Drew Locke realistically cost Joe Flacco something in the neighborhood of $20 million in all likelihood. And I doubt that Joe Flacco was throwing things at the TV set when the Locke pick was announced, but I think you can be pretty sure that he wasn't pumping his fist and saying yes either. But how do Flacco's comments fit into an historical perspective? Is it typical for noteworthy aging veteran quarterbacks 
to have a similar reaction, I thought we'd take a look back at three or four similar situations and see. And while these historical comparisons all deal with legendary quarterbacks, and I really don't regard Joe Flacco as anything approaching a legendary quarterback other than his legendary Super Bowl run in 2012, I think they do tell an interesting story. So, let's start with Joe Montana and Steve Young, perhaps the most legendary quarterback mentor story of all time. Montana had won Super Bowls for the 49ers following the 1981 and 84 seasons, but after the missing of the playoffs in, in 85 and 86, the 49ers traded with the Tampa Bay Bucks to get Steve Young in 1987. Young had an entirely different skill set from Montana. He was left-handed, elusive, inaccurate, kind of a high-end Tim Tebow. And Montana, who was a legendary competitor and at least a bit paranoid, didn't take it well. The Montana-Young relationship struggled from day one. So Adam Lazarus, writing in 2012 in a blog called thepostgame.com, really broke down the story pretty well. He, he, he starts by quoting Young. He says, people always think that we fought, Young said years later. We never had a crossword, never had an argument. And I've always said to people that it went as well as it possibly could with two hyper-competitive people. But it wasn't easy. It was difficult, difficult for both of us. It's not that there was bad blood, Montana said in 2011. I guess the only way you can explain it is if you go to work every day in an office. You're, you're not always best friends with the guy sitting next to you. You're friends, but you're not best friends. And while we are friends, we wouldn't hang out together. It had nothing to do with the game or the competitions. It's just our personalities are different. And from, from everything I've read, Joe Montana was a little bit more of a party guy. And uh, Steve Young, of course, was a devout Mormon. So at the time, the way in which both Montana and Young spoke about the issue through the press only stirred up more friction. I, I remember in training camp that year, Steve refused to call himself the second string guy. Brent Jones remembered. He even made a quote, and I'm, not, I'm sure this didn't go over well with Joe, but he said, I'm 1B, so there's 1A, Montana, and 1B, Young. During that tra same training camp, Montana attempted to explain his relationship with Young as segregated. Personally, it was amicable. Professionally, that was another matter. We're friends, Steve and I, Montana told Sports Illustrated's Ralph Wiley, but out on the practice field, if he doesn't hate me as much as I hate him, then there's something wrong. All right, is this sounding like a mentoring relationship to you? There, there was already an innate discord between the two, an aging, battered legend trying to fend off the advances of a younger, stronger challenger. So Montana's use of the word hate, or young staking his claim to the starter's job as a 1B, was provocative. Joe is so competitive, and you know players will try to beat each other at tiddlywinks. It was such an affront to him, Young's agent Lee Steinberg remembered. It really put attention, suspicion, distrust into that relationship between Steve and Joe from the start. Steve was like the younger brother who venerated Montana and loved Joe. Joe was a proud, competitive incumbent who didn't want Steve there. So, Joe Montana and Steve Young, no mentoring. All right, so let's look at, move on to Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was drafted by the Packers number 24 overall in 2005. When, when Brett Favre was 35 years old and coming off of a wild card loss to the Vikings, in which he threw four interceptions. In fact, Favre was even floating the idea of retirement after the 2005 season. But when the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers, Favre's words in the aftermath of that, aftermath of that draft really told you everything you need to know. Favre said my, said, my contract doesn't say I have to get Aaron Rodgers ready to play. Now, hopefully he watches me and gets something from that. 
There is no clause that says you groom the next guy who's going to take your job or else. It doesn't work that way. Now, Favre was known as being a bit arrogant and thin-skinned, but always protected by the Green Bay media who treated him as a sort of demigod. And Rodgers came in a bit cocky himself, like a young know-it-all kid who expected to start for the Packers right away. And Favre and Rodgers formally met for the first time on June 2nd, 2005, for OTAs, and Rodgers made what may have been history's worst introduction by sitting down and saying to Favre, Good morning, Grandpa. Now, Favre was, went stony silence, and so stony silence did nothing to help Rodgers, and that really set the tone for the relationship. There's even a story from camp that Favre had helped author a little prank where teammates stole Rodgers' helmet and put it on a table for charity items. They convinced Rodgers to sign the helmet with a big, fat, black pen. Of course, Rodgers couldn't find his, you know, his helmet, and somebody from the locker room crew found it and brought it out to him. And he had to go through the entire practice with a helmet that he himself had signed with a big, fat, black pen. It was pretty hilarious, and apparently Rodgers was mortified by the whole thing, almost to the point of tears. Rob Domofsky, who, who covered the Packers for ESPN, asked Rodgers one time whether he had hung out with Favre. Seriously, Rodgers said, I don't even have his number. A friend of Rodgers said, Aaron does not have a kind word to say about Brett. Not even slightly kind. He was always a jerk to him. Okay, so we're 0 for 2 on the mentoring front. Okay, so how about John Elway and Tommy Maddox? Now, this one was a little unique in NFL history, as far as I can see, because it really amounted to a temper tantrum and a power play on the part of head coach Dan Reeves. Reeves had drafted Tommy Maddox in 1992 after losing in the AFC Championship game to the Bills following the 1991 season. But at the time, Elway was only 31 years old and still basically in the prime of his career. As it was, of course, Elway would go on to play eight more seasons. But again, the Elway-Maddox relationship was one that never blossomed. In fact, Elway basically used that experience to help explain that Joe Flacco's comments were no big deal. The, the bigger deal, really, was for the relationship between John Elway and Dan Reeves, which had been poor for many years, but went completely frosty after Maddox was drafted and Reeves was fired following the 1992 season. So you can see that, that um, this is a trend to, by, by drafting potential starters in, in late in a, in a player's career is not going to be well received, especially by legendary quarterbacks. And, and depending on who you listen to, even the Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo relationship really wasn't that much better. So bottom line here, Kevin, what you need to understand is that a big time NFL quarterback gives a man just about as high a social status, status as a man is capable of having in our modern society. He becomes a pillar of his community, just ask John Elway. And when you com combine that with the natural arrogance and the competitiveness that these guys have to have in order to get where they are, it's entirely understandable that they want to be in position late in their careers to go out on their own terms and not to have their heirs apparent brought in before they're ready. Think about this for a minute as it relates to Joe Flacco. He's no dummy. He knows the score as it relates to his career. He has a fully non-guaranteed contract in Denver. Earlier in the summer, the Seahawks were having contract troubles with Russell Wilson. Theoretically, if those negotiations had gone completely sour, the Broncos could have traded for Wilson, 
signed him longer term, cut Joe Flacco, and the only they only would have been out a fourth round draft choice. That puts Flacco in a very vulnerable position. Coming into the draft, you know he had to be hoping that he'd be able to earn the last $63 million of his contract here in Denver. Realistically, with no backup quarterback here, he was guaranteed one season, looking really good for a second, and had an outside shot at a third season here. When the Broncos signed Drew Locke, the game changed entirely. Flacco's still looking guaranteed for this season, but you can be pretty sure that Rich Gangarello is going to have Drew Locke basically ready as an NFL starter by the beginning of the 2020 season. Which means that if Joe Flacco takes the Broncos to a 10-6 record and a first-round loss in the playoffs or anything less than that, Elway and Fangio are probably going to move on and build around Locke in 2020. And regardless of what happens in 2020, Flacco can pretty well kiss his $24 million salary in 2021 goodbye. It won't happen in here in Denver anyway. So realistically, Flacco watched $24 million go up in smoke, possibly even $44 million if he gets cut in 2020 with the Drew Loft draft pick. With that backdrop, were we expecting Flacco to come out and pump his fist for the cameras? Yes! Glad we got that back up. Were, were we expecting him to lie and say that he's just a team guy and he'll do whatever it takes to get Drew Locke ready so the Broncos can jettison his $44 million? Of course not. So really, I applaud Joe Flacco for his honesty. Yeah, he could have avoided a little media frenzy by being more politically correct about his answers, but who cares? I'd rather see the guy tell the truth and let the chips fall where they may. I appreciate the fact that Joe Flacco still regards himself as a Super Bowl-aspiring NFL quarterback and not an overpaid babysitter. Good on you, Joe. Kevin, back to you. Interesting stuff, as always, from Skipper Dude. Again, thanks to him. Interesting stories. I think the one with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers really sticks out to me. I think at the time, I remember this coming out years ago when, when Aaron Rodgers first started in and thinking, wow, you know, this Brett Favre guy is kind of a kind of a jerk. He's kind of a jerk. You know, you don't. Why do you treat someone like that? And then years roll by and you kind of find out Aaron Rodgers is kind of a class A bleep. Yeah, pretty much. He's a jerk. Um, and I know I get a lot of crap um, from some commenters. I've gotten some bad reviews because I trash on players, apparently, because I'm, I'm too mean to people. And, you know, come on. It, it, that's Yeah, sure, it's my opinion. And I, and I kind of say that Aaron Rodgers is kind of a jerk. It's just my opinion. It's just my opinion. I don't like the guy. Now, is he a great football player? Would I give anything to have his talent? Yes, of course I would. Of course I would. But what does it affect me saying I think the guy's a jerk? You know, I'm not really attacking him. I'm not saying I wish, I hope he gets hurt. I hate this man. I mean, I'm just saying I think he's a jerk. I mean, it's the same case with, with like the, the Chiefs players. I think that the Chiefs players have proven that not all of them, of course, some of these guys they've brought in are, are garbage human beings. Now, Prove me I'm wrong. Yeah, if you don't like that, then yeah, okay, fine. Go listen to another show. And I think just sometimes you see after 
years, how people handle the media, how people handle teammates, how people handle coaches, how they handle their own family. I think you can say with a fair amount of ease that some guys are just not very nice people. Anyway, um, interesting segment. And I think, yeah, I agree with him that, you know, whatever, you know, Joe Flacco, it's not his job. He's not a babysitter. There's no need for him to do it. And I mean, Joe Flacco should be probably a little upset about it, but not in a, not in the terms of, wow, wow, John Elway, you, John Elway did me wrong. Flacco should be saying, Hey, crap, you know, I've, I've got to go and do a good job, which, so it's good. I, I think quarterback, a good quarterback con- competition is always a good thing. It always is a good thing. It pushes guys to the next level. And I think you've seen that with some of these, these other stories that Skipper dude brought up. And so I think that if nothing else, Drew Locke will push Joe Flacco to be the best. Now, it's also very possible that he will push Joe Flacco and Flacco will make, you know, bad mistakes. He'll make throws that he shouldn't make because he's trying to be Mr. Perfect and try to be the guy. And maybe that's just not who he is. So we'll see. I I think it's an interesting scenario. It's an interesting storyline. Um I thank John Elway for giving us plenty to talk about for the next year or so because the team's probably not going to be all that productive. Um, but I'm, I'm really curious. I'd be curious to get the pulse of the fans. I, maybe I'll put this on my poll on milehighreport.com. What they believe the Broncos' um, record will be. Because, again, I think Vegas has them at seven wins. I think the over-under is seven, maybe seven and a half. And I, I, my feeling is that the Broncos fans are much more optimistic, as always. Of course they are. I mean, we want to be optimistic. We don't want to think, oh, wow, you know, this team's, that their ceiling is, is is eight wins. Now, that's that's pretty rough. And I think that I get, you know, people don't like when I say, yeah, I don't think this team is, is quite there yet. But it's being realistic. I mean, they, they, there's too many unknowns. There are just too many unknowns. The offensive line, we don't know. Have they upgraded it? Have they brought in Mike Munchak? Absolutely. I think they should be on the right path, but we don't know yet. We haven't seen Vic Fangio coach. We haven't seen Joe Flacco really have a good season since 2012. So there, there are a lot of these things that, you know, things could go right. I think they have a lot of talent. And I think in the scheme, there could be a really good future for this team and even an immediate future. So I think they'll be much more fun to watch. Partly because we're not going to be just panicked about every decision the coach makes on the sideline. I think Fangio is going to bring a maturity and he's going to bring this, you know, just a better feeling. We're not going to watch games and like, okay, the Broncos are winning, but when is the coach going to screw it up? And I think that that will help at least our viewing pleasure of this team. Um, Otherwise, yeah, we'll see. I think the Chris Harris Jr. situation is really interesting. Um, I, my opinion on that is as it's been since the beginning that they will figure something out. I think John Elway, when you look at the moves he's made in the offseason, the moves do not look like he planned on Chris Harris Jr. not playing for this team. Now, the latest rumors are that they're going to sign him short-term, even that they're just going to ex- to pay him more this season, which people are kind of bagging on, like, why does that make sense? It makes sense because it's, it's an act of goodwill. It, it's John Elway saying, hey, dude, we love you. We want you here. We want to be fair to you, but... You've got to show us. You got to show that you can come back from injury. You got to show that you're, as a 30 year old, you can still play at a high level, and then we will re sign you. But this is a prove it year. But 
we also don't want to disrespect you. And I, that's what John Elway is saying. He's saying, hey, look, yeah, we if this uh, this is just a rumor. We, we don't know if this is what's actually going to happen. But the rumor is they're going to give him a little more money this year and then probably do some sort of option for next year. It makes sense. I, I think it makes sense on both sides. I think it's Chris Harris Jr. saying, okay, yeah, you know, don't disrespect me. Respect me. Pay me what I deserve this year. And John Elway is saying, okay, but I'm not going to give it to you over three or five years. You're just too old. It's just that simple. These guys often, you know, fall off a cliff at around 31, 32, even 30. And it just makes sense. I mean, you get older and your your hips don't move like they used to. I mean, there's a reason. It's it's not bagging on Chris Harris Jr. I love Chris Harris Jr. I mean, the, the dude is, is, is special. I, he's one of my all-time favorite Broncos, all-time. And I mean, still is. But age catches up, especially at that position. It's like running back. Eventually, you you get worn down and you can't make the same cuts unless, of course, you're Frank Gore. Um, but most running backs, cornerbacks are the same. You have to have a very, very special set of skills, of course, to be a cornerback. You have to have very fluid hips, very fluid body motion. And that's it's really hard. I, I played a little bit of cornerback. And just to be able to backpedal... And then flip your hips around is an incredibly different, uh, difficult skill. And I think it's something that once you get older, it gets harder and harder to do. And so maybe it's something Chris Harris Jr., I mean, you know, maybe he moves to safety. I, I don't know. I don't know if I see that. I don't think he's a he's a thumper type of a guy like Kareem Jackson. So I, I think that Elway had the whole plan all along that you have Chris Harris Jr., you have Callahan, and then you have Yadam. And you have Kareem Jackson playing kind of your your joker, your your wild card guy who comes in as a nickel um, defender. He 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 defends, he guards the tight ends. He he you know plays safety, plays cornerback, kind of whatever you need. And that's ideal. I think that's exactly why you bring in Jackson. And in that scenario, you have to have Chris Harris Jr. And that's why I thought all along people, you know, freaking out about it and saying, oh, no, well, Elway never signs veterans. Yeah, well, Elway doesn't sign veterans who are washed up. I and mean, that's that's really what it's turned out to be. Most of I think almost every guy he's let go after a certain contract has has not panned out. I think the one guy who I, I think is a real big regret was Danny Trevathan. That was one that, that was a real, real miss. Now, we don't know what happened in that meeting room, though. I mean, Danny Trevathan, maybe he just wanted to go with Coach John Fox to the Chicago Bears. And so maybe, you know, even if the Bears offered him less money, I, I don't know. I, I'm Maybe someone knows that, that information. But that's the one that really hurts, I think. And maybe you can say Malik Jackson, too. But Trevathan, the one... When they lost that guy who could cover tight ends and running backs out of the backfield, that that was a big loss, and he was a huge part of the championship teams, championship team, I should say. I mean, the, the team that went over and over to the playoffs with Peyton Manning. Um, but with Chris Harris Jr., I think he stays. There's just no reason for him not to. I think his his agent was acting like a diva. I think Chris Harris Jr. doesn't want to go somewhere else. He doesn't want to uproot. He wants to play for this team. I I do believe he wants to play for this team for his whole career. I firmly believe that. And I think, I think Elway, I don't think Elway is very, he's not extremely loyal. It's a business. He looks at this as, hey, what can you contribute? But I think that Elway is also, he doesn't want to he doesn't want to disrespect people. And I, I do believe that. I don't think he's always handled things correctly. But with this one, I think he's saying, hey, look, you know, Chris Harris, you know, we're going to we're going to give you a little bit more money. We want you here, but let's prove it. Prove it to us. Prove it this year that we can give you a two two year contract 
you know, at fifteen million apiece. And and the good thing is, if Elway does that, Chris Harris Jr. is absolutely someone who can do it. This is a guy who's a dog. I mean, he is a guy who's going to go out and make it happen. He's going to, if you challenge him with that, if you say, "Hey, man, you know, prove it." He's done it his whole career. He, I mean, the, the the guy was undrafted. The guy is is one of the greatest underdog stories I've ever seen. He's one of the greatest slot corners that we've seen at least in this generation. And to to come from where he came from and become who he has become, I think that if you give him that extra challenge and say, "Hey," Here's the money this year to to pay you respect and now prove it. The dude is going to ball. The dude is going to ball. And I, I'm, I'm excited to see it. I think that's what's going to happen. And I think that this 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 secondary, it could be it could be scary good. I think I don't think you're quite at the the no fly zone because I think Talib and Harris Jr. were a special combination. Um, you just had Talib's size. You had Harris Jr.'s ability to to, to cover in the slot, etc. Um, but I think you with Kareem Jackson kind of out there as a wild card, I think that Will Parks, I, I saw a stat from him, I think maybe his pro football focus, that they had him as the number two, what was it? I think he had the, when when quarterbacks threw against him in the as, as an AFC West defender, he was number two in quarterback rating when, when quarterbacks threw the ball towards him. I, I think that was the stat. He was number two and Chris Harris Jr. was number one. And so it just shows you. I mean, Will Parks is a guy who's been really underrated. I think Justin Simmons is is a very good player. I could Okay, he is a good player. He could be a very good player. He's, he's extremely gifted physically. And I think you're starting to see a, a, a lineup back there that could be really, really good. And honestly, more of my question is, do they have enough edge rush depth? I, I really wonder that. I mean, you've got Justin Hollins, who, who they're saying may even move to to the middle, or maybe he'll play both. Um, but I think you, you've got to bring some of these guys in and just rush off the edge all the time. I mean, maybe Jones goes to the edge rather than the middle because he's kind of undersized. Um, I'll be curious to see because right now you have, you've got Vaughn, you've got Chubb, and you've got a couple guys who are me, you know? So I, I don't know. I, I I would like to see them add somebody, maybe a veteran guy, you know, when, as the summer rolls along or after the first round of cuts, um, at during, during the, the, um, preseason, but I think they're not quite deep enough yet at, at the edge rush position. And I think that is more of the issue. And of course, I don't love what they've done at middle linebacker. I think they they, they seem to have faith in Todd Davis, um, maybe also a little bit Josie Jewell. And if if Fangio has faith in them, then I trust it. He's a guy who who totally understands what a linebacker needs to be be able to do. And I think he's brought in guys, especially in the backfield, in the defensive backfield, who play his style of ball, you know, guys who are, who are not afraid to hit guys who get dirty guys who, who don't shy away from the tackles. And, and, and you see exactly why they didn't bring back Bradley Roby. And they brought in someone like, like Callahan and someone like Jackson guys who, who like to tackle. And that's what Fangio wants out of his defensive backfield. And I think it'll be improved. It'll be improved. What I want to see is how well they can cover the tight end. As we've seen year in and year out, that has been like the biggest weakness for this team. And I don't see an addition that's really 
aided that. Unless unless you start going like Kareem Jackson playing back and you've got Justin Simmons playing as like your nickel linebacker and covering the tight end. That I could see. I think Simmons has the size and he absolutely has the athleticism. So I think that, that Fangio is gonna get he's gonna get really um creative and he's gonna mix things up and he's gonna make things work. He, he's gonna figure it out and he's gonna get put the guys in the absolute best position to win. And that will be exciting. And I think when you see quotes coming out from like Brandon Marshall, the linebacker, former Broncos linebacker, who's saying part of the issue was that no one was on the same page. No one really understood what was going on. And I think you see more and more that the coaching was a real, real serious issue. And thank goodness that's over. And thank goodness we at least have a chance to have someone who has better control over this team. But... As always, we will have to wait and see if that is, in fact, the truth of the situation. All right, I'm out for today. I'm also, again, not here next week. I will be in Rome. Follow me on Twitter for football or travel news, whatever you want. That's at K-E-V-V-Y-G-I-L-L-I-K-I-N. And, of course, again, as always, stay with MileHighReport.com for all of your Broncos interests. And for now, well... That the countdown continues. What is it now? Four or five months until football is back again. Y'all have a great few weeks. I'll see you in June. Peace.